This is Talk is Sheep, a podcast by the Wild Sheep Society of British Columbia. Come along as we take conversations that matter to you into the high alpine. Two degrees in Prince George, lovely day. It is. It's uh, well coming up end of the first week of February when we're recording this. We had probably a foot of snow over the last couple of days, minus seven last night. Wake up to plus two this morning. Gotta love this time of year. It's a little. Uh, I'm gonna go cut my grass this afternoon. <laughs> you you can go to hell. <laughs> you can go to hell. Uh, so. Episode uh, 64, Julie McQueen, president of Carbon TV. Um, you what know, a riot. Yeah. That was so uh, much fun. And uh, really interesting to her, hear her evolution, right? Like where she began, very humble beginnings, uh, no real mm-hmm. ties to the hunting community, the out, um, well, maybe not so much the outdoors, but the hunting community, and then just to where she is today uh, running a network with what, how many um, different uh, shows did she say they have on there? Different. Oh, good Two, Lord. 250. I think she said there something was like that. Hundreds, something right? Not, so, something, something nuts. It's crazy though. That, like I've, I've used carbon TV for six, eight months now. It's free. All you yeah. need to do is make an email account and it's all streaming. And the content on there is just nuts. Like our friend Laura's on there. Laura Zara with Decivilized and uh, Skullbound Chronicles. We've had Jana, Jana Waller on. And now uh, okay, what's that other one that I know? Oh yeah. Brie, Brie from Wilderness to Table. She's going to kill me for saying that. But uh, so there's some great shows on there and just a great experience to, to get to chat with, uh, with Jules. Well, and the interesting thing Julie points out is that it's a, a very broad-based network. It's not just exclusively hunting stuff. So there's really good content. Uh, they're branching in a little bit into different uh, niche uh, markets like aviation, for example, she mentioned. So it's really interesting to hear that evolution. And, um, you know, it, obviously they're going to be a, a behemoth of an organization when they have that much content, right? And it's all centric around that outdoor space, right? So very cool. Um, on the society end of things, just uh, three things to remind our listeners, uh, our Wild Sheep Raffles. We still have some tickets left there. Uh, we have a cool membership drive on. And so if you're thinking about joining the society, it's a good time to do now. Um, so give that some thought. We so, always have we always have the most kick-ass things for our members. Eh? Like what are the trips this year? What, what's the... Uh... What's up for grabs this time? Uh, so it's a very cool sturgeon fishing trip. It's one day on the Fraser River. You're going to get a chance to hook into a 10, 11-foot monster, 100-year-old uh, sturgeon. Um, that's for four people, one-day trip. Just an awesome first prize. Have you ever had a chance to sturgeon fish? I have, yeah. My, oh. my dad dad took me out and it was uh, i think Oops. we caught about 10 fish in uh, mm-hmm. on the day and it was uh so my dad was there he he was you know he was getting tired and stuff so his arms were getting sore and then uh I, there was only three of us on the boat and then my other buddy had a sore back so <laughs> i literally landed about 12 sturgeon that day i think the biggest oh. one was about nine feet so just a great yeah great i went a, water. went a few years ago i, I bought uh a trip uh, at a at an auction up here and took a couple of buddies and we all split it and it was we'd never sturgeon fished before and holy crap like it's they set the hook and then they the, the guide hands you the rod and it's like all right hang on and you're like okay yeah whatever and it's power you have not felt 
like holy crap and they jump like you get these seven eight foot nine foot fish coming clear out of the water it's a fight you've never you've never uh uh experienced like it's it's unreal and i would go over and over and over again so that's a hell of a hell of a first prize yeah absolutely um yeah fantastic and then second prize is uh frontiersman gear has given us a uh, beautiful uh, ridgeline keeper knife it's a brand new line of theirs custom knife uh gorgeous gorgeous uh, prize package there and then uh, as you said your favorite one's the uh, swag package from the society is third place but uh, with the claymore Headlamp, and this is all um, underwritten by uh, Wood Wheaton uh, Supercenter. They're bringing that to us. So thank you to Wood Wheaton for supporting uh, our initiatives and the Wild Sheep Society of BC. Yeah, it's a hell of a prize package. We've got our uh, WSR, and yeah, it's we're good. Oh, Salute to Conservation. That's coming up soon, too. So March 12th, we have our Wild Sheep Salute to Conservation. It's going to be online. So this is replacing our Kamloops event. Unfortunately, uh, provincial restrictions have required us to do that. Um, but we'd have a great week uh, weekend planned. It's a one-day event on March the 12th. You can go over to their website, um, go to wildsheepsociety.com, click on the icon there for Salute to Conservation. It's right in the very middle. You'll see it and get signed up. Um, Registration is free, but if you want to upgrade, there's more enhanced um, viewing opportunities. We've got we've teamed up with the Hunting Film Tour so some really great content there. We've got some uh, really cool um, giveaways, some offers, some raffles, uh, live and timed auction. It's actually going to be a great, great event. And then we're topping off the night with um, brews and bighorns. Is that did I get it right? I always say it incorrectly, but uh, our good you got friend, it backwards. You got it backwards. Bighorns, bighorns and brews. Yeah, right. I'm putting the beer first. Sorry, um, which you should do. Right? Yeah. Always, always put the beer first. Yeah, so our good friend Nolan Osborne from over at the Journal of Mountain Hunting Beyond the Kill is going to be there with uh, some buddies, and we're going to have a webinar and sit around some interactive chat just about wild sheep and just have a great time. So that'll cap off the evening. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, get on our website and get registered today. So with make that, sure you, you got to hit that subscribe button. You got to make sure that you always tell them to, to subscribe and follow like, us. We, we, yeah. Yeah, we hit number four a couple of weeks ago, and we're staying in the top 10 because of people uh, downloading and and uh, staying in touch with us. And we to- truly appreciate that. The more we uh, get followed and subscribed to, the more we can dump out great content for you. So we appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, 100%. Thanks to our listeners, and, and thanks for sharing it out there. We do have a likes and shares contest going on right now, so you can check that out on social media as well. And uh we also have we, we have started a new Talk as Sheep page uh, on Instagram. So head over to Instagram and look us up, Talk as Sheep, and you'll see the the latest content and what's coming up. And we'll you know we try and share a little bit of insight here and there and stuff too. So thanks again, everyone, for for helping us uh, do what we do. So this is a fantastic listen. Uh, Julie's uh, awesome. She's just so much energy, so much positivity right away you're going to go you go wow this person is going places um she's taking carbon tv to the next level and it's just a real pleasure to to have julie on the show uh episode 64 julie mcqueen carbon tv enjoy across canada and throughout the world if you come across a campfire in the woods on a mountaintop or next to a river you'll find warm company and friendly people gathered around regardless of your lifestyle or place you call home We invite you to learn more about what it means to be a hunter in the modern era. If you love the outdoors, care about where your food comes from, and are concerned for the future of wildlife and the environments that they need to survive, pull up a seat. We have a story to tell.
Welcome to our campfire. Good. I, I guess it's afternoon for you, Julie. Thanks for coming and seeing us today. We appreciate it. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. I never know if it's morning or afternoon these days. It's all very confusing. <laughs> yeah, it is a Friday, so that's uh, we actually there's a, a light at the end of the rainbow that uh, yeah that we're at the end of the tunnel. I guess it is that we uh, we're coming up in the weekend, so that's that's good. Yeah, yeah. Happy Friday. Awesome. So, uh, well, so much to talk about, and uh, you know we're we've wanted you on the show for a long time. So we're really excited to have you here. And I guess uh, for us is for our listeners, let's get to know you a little bit. Um, you know, where, where did you come from? How did you get where you are today? And, and uh, you know, I've noticed it's a very interesting path and you've obviously got a long history in, in the, uh, I guess the communication side of the world, but uh, love to hear about it and the tie in with the hunting community. So I guess let's just start from the beginning where you came from really. Yeah, absolutely. I so I come from Oklahoma. A lot of people don't know that. I because I've lived everywhere since then. And, you know, I grew up in Oklahoma, small town, Indian reservation, um, you know, really um grassroots, right? I mean, um basic, basic childhood. But I got out of there fast. I just I I, I exited and wanted to go see the world as quickly as I could. So I graduated high school early. And I bailed and just, I've lived in so many different beautiful places and I've worked overseas and, um, you know, I kind of um, had that existence until I was around 18-ish, I want to say, give or take, around 18. Um, But I was not from a hunting family. So hunting was not a part of a conversation we ever had. It was never something that was introduced to me. And around 18, I had moved to Missouri And um, I don't know what exactly sparked it, if I saw a photo, if I, you know, kind of heard someone talking, but hunting became a conversation. And that's when I started going to the bookstore and, um, you know, Barnes and Noble, Springfield, Missouri, it's still there. And, you know, I would sit in the coffee shop and read the books and magazines about hunting so I didn't have to pay for them and, you know, try to understand what this was. And at that time, you know, you think of an 18 or 19 year old, no one had explained anything to me as far as, oh, did you know there's different types of deer or these are the states where elk live. So it was all kind of this new big world in front of me. And I'm wondering why no one had ever brought this up to me before. Uh, So I just began really diving in and becoming obsessed with oh, I didn't realize that we could go get our own meat from the field. I didn't know that you could deer hunt. That wasn't something that was ever discussed. So I went to my um, hunter safety course and I began hunting at that time. And it wasn't long after that I entered the industry. I was in my um, early 20s. I was around 20 when I finally started finding a way to work into the, the outdoor space. Very cool. So let's just, I want to jump into the outdoor space, but before we get there, what, what was the attraction to hunting? Like, you know, at 18, all of a sudden there's this epiphany. Is it like about, you know, like the food source or was it about the interest in the animals, was it the outdoors? What kind of, what was the main draw there? I, for a lot of us, it's probably a multi- multitude of things, but kind of what really caught you with that? Yeah. So I think that the common answer 
from a lot of people would be, oh, I wanted to get my own food. That seems to be a very, you know, nice, easy way of introducing that. But for me, um, I honestly believe that we have inherent knowledge from our ancestors. I think that genetically, thoughts, feelings, emotions, it's passed down um, genetically. So something inside of me was sparked. It wasn't because, oh, I want to go fill my freezer. It was, what is this thing no one told me about? And I didn't know I had the right to do it. Um, you know, so for me, it was more just kind of that um, curiosity, a natural curiosity. And especially because not a lot of other women or females were doing that at the time openly. Maybe they were, but it was, we didn't have social media back then. You know, so it wasn't like I was introduced to a lot of other females who also had the same passion. I just knew that something inside of me wanted to learn about it. And I was naturally curious. And of course, the after effect was a freezer full of wild game. But initially, what sparked it was just this curiosity. Very cool. So now you talk about that evolution at 18, sort of coming to the outdoor space and this interest in hunting and harvesting. Um, and you did all this research. So, you know, I, I find it interesting. A lot of women I talk to, even today, there's all these barriers to entry, right? Like, you know, it's it's hard to find a hunting companion. You know, it's a male-dominated, um, I guess, pursuit, or traditionally has been. Uh, as we know, that's changing quickly. But, uh, you know, so how was that for you? And obviously, there was the research component and, and the library you talked about. But what else were you doing? Did you just show up for your hunter safety course and say, I'm doing this? Or, or how did that look for you? Yeah, I went to hunter safety um, you know, there was some property locally that was available. I asked permission. I had to borrow a rifle. I had a shotgun. I didn't have a rifle. And so by reading all those books, I figured out you need a rifle for deer season. Uh, but the thing that no one told me, you know, as I, cause I did, I went deer hunting. I went by myself and didn't know tree stands were a thing. So I just kind of wedged up between a couple of trees on this ridge and had permission to shoot whatever came by. But the thing nobody told me was the size of the animal and the emotion that comes with that. Yeah. So obviously I became very emotional. I shot the first deer that walked by. To this day, it's the oldest white tail I've ever shot. He was just this old, I don't know, no one had ever seen him before. He was huge and beautiful and amazing. But for me, that was a very emotional thing. I'd never seen an animal die before. Um, I walked up to him and then I'm going, oh, wait. I can't pick this up. How am I going to get this in my vehicle? I have to call for backup. And no one told, no one in the books or magazines had talked about, you know, how to field dress an animal or do you go to the taxidermist or the, um, you know, the processor first? You know, no one had ever really discussed those details. They were just talking about how great hunting is. Mm -hmm. So it was a trial and error. You know, I had to learn a lot, made some mis mistakes. Um, but it was just this knowledge, just this like, oh, yes, no, this is something that I really love. Yeah, that's the one thing I, I found that they can't really teach you and your mentors can't teach you is the emotion that comes with the pull of the trigger. It, you yeah. come from up here to all the way down at the bottom and everything in between. Yeah. As you see the animal, you pull the trigger, you walk up to it. You, it's the whole range of emotions that you feel. And that's something you just have to experience. And it happens every time for me. Every time, even turkeys or, you know, any small game, I still have that same emotion to this day and I hope it never goes away. It's a beautiful thing. And exactly. And it was terrifying, <laughs> but, but it turned <laughs> into, into my life's passion. 
That's so cool. So now with regards to that experience, you, so you just rock, you got a rifle um, and just rocked up and just on your own, like you weren't out there. You had no, in theory, no mentor really. You probably talked to people, but I, I can't imagine that. Like I, I killed my first deer at 14. My dad was there. He was by my side and you know, it was like, and I made a million mistakes even with him yelling at me the whole time. I can't imagine being out there at, you know, a, a young person doing and not, and not even growing up in that environment, um, you know, be one thing if you were around it, outfitting industry or I don't know, whatever, but that's phenomenal that you could pull that off. And it just goes to show you if there's a will, you can do it. Right. Absolutely. And you know, the thing that it has changed in my life is that now I have a passion for other young people who don't come from hunting families. And, you know, if somebody in my early childhood would have said, Hey, do you want to, you know, go turkey hunting or some something to kind of even let me know that was an option? It would have changed the course of my life. Um, so now I work with organizations that, you know, we try to make sure every every other kid kind of has that opportunity. So it's that silver lining, you know. But um, but it, everything happens for a reason. And at that time, I was looking for, you know, something in life, and it just happened to be something not a, any other women were doing. So I. I thought, okay, well, if this is something I really, really love and there's an opportunity, I might as well see if I can work inside of an industry like this. Very cool. So now with regards to that mentorship piece, you didn't have anybody. Um, and one of the things I hear off, often is for um, for women in particular, there's you know fish and game clubs like, oh, lo- go join your local fish and game club or go join the Wild Sheep Society BC, for instance. Um, but the issue is it's filled with old white guys. And it's like really intimidating, especially for maybe a young female or a young woman. So, you know, how can, what can we do better in the industry? Like, and this program, the programs that you're involved in, like uh, outdoor mentors and uh, you know, that's a fantastic. So what, how do we do do a better job of uh, getting, you know, I guess other people more involved in the industry or in our pursuits, I guess. I, I feel like that's a really common question. And what I love is that, I already feel like over the past 10 years, we have been doing a lot. You know, it's it's almost like we started asking that question so many years ago that people took action. And, you know, I'm one of the lucky ones that's been here long enough to see it really kind of come to fruition. Um, you know, so many of the conservation organizations that I've worked with over the years um, early on saw the same, they were asking the same question and they developed, you know, Jake's program or, you know, Outdoor Mentors is a, is a good one. I'm on their board of directors, um, Pass It On, Outdoor Mentors is, um, it's just wonderful. It kind of um, is the, the way for youth who, let's say there's a high school trap shooting team, which is a sport. And they already have access to a shotgun and, you know, the the knowledge and how to, you know, kind of, you know, gun safety. But now let's connect them to another potential lifelong, you know, hobby or something they might fall in love with. So we provide a way for them to now have a piece of property to go pheasant hunting or whitetail hunting. And it's really just kind of like, okay, the first step has been taken. They understand firearms. They understand firearm safety. Let's connect the dots. And, you know, the um, Outdoor Mentors gets hundreds of kids every year into the outdoors, and they really focus on retention. So sure, take them one time, but you want them to come back. You know, you want to make it a good experience and to educate them while it's happening. And and then also, next step, get the parents involved. Make sure that the parents feel comfortable with it and that they're encouraging this in their children. 
So, um, you know, like I said, I'm one of, I'm very fortunate because over the past 15 years in this industry, I've seen, you know, um, youth programs, programs aimed towards women, um, you know, really moving in the right directions. Um, but to answer your question, I think that the answer to continue that momentum is number one, education. You know, a lot of people feel very um, insecure in that moment. Like, oh gosh, I'm a woman who, like, I want to do this, but I don't know a whole lot about it. So there are educational programs. Some of them are free. Some of them, you know, it's groups of women who get together or groups of people who have children who want to know about the outdoors. And, you know, people can say whatever they want about social media and the internet, but what a fabulous resource to find anything you're looking for, any group of people to connect with. And when it's used in the right way, it changes lives. So I, I see this as we're already on the right path and so many great organizations are doing the right things. It's just making sure that that information is available to everyone who's looking for it. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of stuff there. Um, and, you know, like industry wide, you know, we, you know, in BC here in particular, we're, we kind of struggle with social license for hunters and, and, um, you know, and, and I think that, you know, these mentorship programs, these retention recruitment, um, uh, these mentorship programs are really important because it's changing hearts and minds, right? We're bringing the next generation up with this acceptance of, you know, what we do and that it's okay to be out there and, you know, sustainability and, and our conservation work and, and to be living off the land effectively. Right. So, um, so I guess that's one of the things, and, you know, you talk about, I I've read in some of your, um, some of the things that you've put out there about your hunter heritage or whatever, you know, um, making sure that that's there for future generations. So, you know, I, I guess, you know, we talked a little bit about mentorship I get, and hunter heritage is a little bit different, I guess, in terms of, you know, that legacy and making sure that hunters will still be able to hunt in a hundred years from now. And that, you know, the mainstream hasn't bit banned it somehow. How do we do a better job of that? How can we keep that legacy going, that hunter heritage uh, mindset going, Julie, in your mind? Right. Um, you know, I think that supporting each other as a community is step number one. Um, you know, I, I always try to avoid any type of negative energy or negative conversations. Anyone who knows me personally, if it's, if it's bad, just stay away. I just, <laughs> I don't want any access to the negative stuff in my, I've worked too hard to have a great, per, you know, positive life. So I see a lot of, you know, hunters or, you know, people who love the outdoors who have a disagreement and then they take it very public and it becomes this conversation where we're not having these conversations at, on a mature level and really finding a resolution, uh, solving the problem instead of just talking more about the problem. And it's just like any relationship. Um, you know, if you, if there's a problem, you talk about it and a healthy relationship will resolve the issue. A toxic one will just make a bigger issue. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a little bit of toxicity sometimes because people do have a voice and they do have the freedom to say what they would like to say. Um, but I think that if we're looking at, you know, the, the forward, um, like the heritage and the young people coming up, the best thing we can do is to set a good example and to put ourselves out there in the right way where they feel comfortable having those conversations. How is a, how is a young person going to feel comfortable speaking their mind or asking questions if they feel like they'll be attacked for it? Um, you know, and I, I think that publicly a lot of people could just equate this to their home life as well. Um, everything is about relationships. And if a young person feels uncomfortable asking, hey, you know, 
what do you feel about this? You know, the wolf situation, what do you feel about, you know, this situation, if they get attacked for it, they're not going to ask again, or they're going to form their own opinion and not want to take in what other people think. So opening the doors for good, healthy communication is, is very crucial um, without attacking people for having a different opinion. Um, You know, we're all going to think a little bit differently. We're all from different backgrounds. Um, You know, but the, the heritage side of it, Um, making sure that young people feel not only safe in asking and understanding, but that they have the opportunity to make a difference and, you know, to really, you know, step up and say, Hey, I have a voice and this is what I, this is what I think. And I would love, you know, to put it out there. It's the beauty of freedom of speech and, um, you know, the beauty of staying away from censorship, which in my line of work, we have a censorship talk. I have at least five censorship conversations every day, um, <laughs> but giving people the opportunity to, to put their stories out there um, to help other people connect with them is crucial. Yeah. T- too often people, they, they listen to respond versus listen to under, understand, right? Mm-hmm. And that that's where I, I find a lot of the arguments come from online is somebody, for example, will say, we need to go to point management on on deer and all of a sudden somebody will just fly at them instead of listening to why they feel that way and then having a rational decision and, and right. same sort of thing is you, you see it everywhere right and you, you you're exactly right we need to be more welcoming and allow other people to have an opinion and then have an intelligent debate and come to a, a rational you don't have to necessarily agree but a rational conclusion right and yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's one thing that could solve a lot of that problem. It's not like anything I say is going to make everyone change their personal behavior in their life. But anytime we're listening to a conversation that doesn't align with ours, and when our brain starts thinking, oh, but I, but this, and we start already coming up with our response based on, instead of listening, as you notice that happening, if you ask one more question, right? Instead of responding with a statement or responding with your opinion, if you find one more question you can ask to get a little more information from this person, just so that you actually let them know you're trying to understand where they're coming from, but also so you do understand where they're coming from. I think that would be a really healthy practice when people are having these conversations about um, hunting or our rights or regulations or, you know, different laws that are you know, going through legislation, I think that it would be a healthy thing for people just to understand basic communication as adults. Yeah, I think we we could all do a better job or a lot of people could and um, on every level and right right at the very top of, um, you know, the nation too, right? You know, our, our, our lawmakers, like you said, if there was more seek to understand and, and working together and yeah, we talk this in inverse curve of where we've come to as a society that there's these two polar opposites and we're not meeting in the middle that well. So I think, yeah, that, that's a very good point for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could talk about that the whole podcast, um, but I, I want to transition a little bit if if we could, uh, Julie, and, and just talk a little bit about so how you stepped into the communications world. So you're writing, you said, you know, you came to, to hunting at, at around that 18 year old mark and then... Let's talk now how you got involved in the uh, outdoor industry as a writer, as a communicator, and, and touch on that a bit. Yeah, absolutely. I um, I work from the bottom up, just like it should be. You know, I um, uh, definitely had to work really hard to. Um, sorry, hold on. There. 
they're about to play a ping pong game outside of my office. <laughs> Guys, no. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. It's a really fun office. Hold on. Can you hold on one second? Yeah, all good. <laughs> I, I'm going to work at Carbon TV. I'm going to be like setting my room. No I'll kidding. go. I'll go clean the floors. I don't care. I'll, I'll do. No whatever. kidding. This yeah. is, I want to. I want to do this. <laughs> this is great. We're not editing this part out right. either. This is great. And, and so actually, people right outside of my office, and people sometimes in the middle of their meetings come over and and I actually sorry it's a fun little side note it's a very fun office people come over and they'll have conversations over a ping pong game which I find very healthy um, but right now it was not a great time for them <laughs> too distracting we, we just want to know if you've got any openings that sounds like an awesome place to yes, work absolutely we have tons of space here come on over um <laughs> sorry oh uh, so okay, but hold on. Tell me one more time. What was I? What was I saying before the ping pong game started? Uh, so your transition into the communications world and how you got involved with that? Right. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, back in the day, for those who weren't, you know, in this industry back then, okay, we didn't have social media, and we were using very large video cameras, and everyone wanted to have a, a TV show. Real Tree was really big at the time. Everyone wanted to film their hunts, and this is like you know, the peak of everything with outdoor content. And I um, obviously started hunting, you know, 18, 20 years old, um, found myself really successful. You know, I was really focusing on it. And um, since there was no other way to get in touch with them, I was reaching out to companies saying, hey, I feel like I can add value. Um, what can I do to be a part of what you're doing? How can I work with you? Small level, I don't care what it is, I just want to be involved. Um, I still have the original letter that I got in the mail 20 years ago from Scentlock, um, who I still love. I mean, I just, I talked to him a few weeks ago. Um, they sent me a letter signed by their president. And it says, you know, we would love to invite you to be promotional staff at store openings. We know you love the product. Um, any photos that you take in the field, we would love to, you know, be able to use them. Um, so I started working with them as promotional staff. Um, and I would show up for free to store openings and talk about the clothing and say how much I like what I was using. And I would have my four by six photos I would bring with me to show that I was actually using it in the field. I worked with Muzzy Broadheads in the same way and was just really using their products and thinking, how do I connect myself with these companies that are awesome that I just someday want to work with? So I went from that to filming hunts and I got behind the camera for people for free. And just, I would, you know, whitetail hunt, I would freeze and sit in the stand and film on this huge camera and then just not even have anything to do with it afterwards. They, they did all the editing. It would be a TV show and I would donate my time and make connections and network and talk to people and really kind of think, okay, this is my passion. This is what I want to do. And then I slowly started getting in front of the camera a little bit more after a while, which wasn't easy for me. Um, I'm very much an introvert, so that was difficult. Um, but then I um, started um, a production company in Nashville. Um, we had a big production company it, for about eight years. Uh, we were producing um, outdoor TV shows, commercials, interstitials, um, product review videos. We were filming other people's TV show pilots to help them get on channels. And so I had to learn production. So I became executive produ producer, line producer, which is backing into budgets. And I handled everything for these big contracts that were um, 
um, anything that happened before the hunt took place. So I would get filming permits and, you know, manage everything that happened up to then. And then we had a bunch of editors who would obviously edit the content. And through that work also, networking, meeting the right people, having good conversations, surrounding myself with just wonderful people. So that was a big, that was kind of my step into it. I had three different TV shows over the course of, you know, a few years, um, all successful. They did really well. And then I um, brought my content from the network. I jumped ship and came over to a digital distribution back around probably 2015, somewhere around there, which was, a, you know, that was life changing. Yeah. So, you know, you've kind of done it all, right? You've gone through, like you said, right from the ground up. And now, you know, today, what, you know, running carbon TV. So um, how's that change and, and that evolution, like with you in that role? Um, you know, are you making managerial decisions now? Like I know you're, you're heavy on the operations end of things, but you're also still on, you're still in front of the screen too. So what is, what is a normal day other than the ping pong? Actually, let's talk ping pong. Let's talk about what that looks like for you in your current role. Yeah. So actually I did not work for carbon TV. Um, I was, you know, I was living in Montana with Jana, you know, just doing my own thing, um, contracting, doing different work. And, um, I did a screen test for Outdoor Weekly. So Carbon TV um, created this show. It's their, I don't even own Outdoor. This is not my show. It's Carbon TV's show. They came up with the first outdoor news program. And I did a screen test. They put me on camera and, um, you know, apparently I did okay because they offered me the job as the host of this show. And it, it was a while after that. Um, you know, I, you know, was at SHOT Show, I think. Yeah, SHOT Show. And, um, you know, they asked what I was doing. And I said, well, I'm consult I'm a business consultant. You know, I do a lot of different things on that side and have a background in production and marketing, obviously. Um, so I interviewed for just kind of a consulting position with Carbon. They were going through some changes. So Carbon TV used to be a part of Carbon Media Group, which was um, acquired in 2017. Um, they pulled Carbon TV out of the acquisition, and that's when I came in and took over operations. Um, I sat and looked over everything they were doing. It's a, it's a fabulous business, but there were a few things that needed to change. So um, I took over as the president of the company six months later after not even working here. I was just kind of helping out. And since then, the company has been incredible. I've never seen anything like it. It was already positioned to be something incredible and spectacular. It just needed the right um, path. So we changed the business model a little bit. Um, I cleaned house, you know, I looked through all the content, which took a very long time, cleared out the stuff that I didn't believe in. And, you know, personally myself, like calling people and saying, this isn't a good fit anymore. We're moving in a different direction. So I pulled a bunch of contracts, um, rebuilt the team, hired a bunch of new people who are way smarter than I am. And um, here we are years later, and I'm still the president and we have a bigger team and our traffic is amazing. It's, you know, it's a very, very large network. We have over 250 different shows that air with us right now. And we are all encompassing of the outdoors. So we don't focus just on hunting. We don't just do fishing. We do 
anything for everyone who loves the outdoors. So if that's agriculture, survival, aviation, DIY, farming, pretty much anything. Um, Outdoor Weekly is amazing. We're in our fourth season right now. I still do host that show, (laughs) even though I also run the company. Uh, But it's fun for me. It's good for me to keep my roots, you know, on the the TV side of it and be on Mm -hmm. camera. Um, But it's more just kind of like a, a night job. You know, I... Um, I have fun with it, but my, my primary job in life is making sure that this network is successful. Yeah. My, my favorite show has got to be wilderness to table though. Isn't she the best? She's a really good friend of mine. She's yeah. She, he's so. biased. Cause he's just, he, he, <laughs> oh, yeah. Bree's like his best friend. So yeah, I finally got to meet her in person. Um, Oh, at shot show. And yeah. no, she's my best friend now. Just so. <laughs> <laughs> Uh Oh, She's the best. She's just this oh, wonderful. As soon as I talked to her the first time on the phone, I thought, okay, no, we're going to be best friends. She is just this firewall of yeah. energy and thoughts and creative ideas mm-hmm. and authenticity. And yeah. that's the kind of people we, we love here. Um, yeah. I just, I love, you know, I always say, you know, I, I believe now that carbon TV has the, the largest library of female driven outdoor mm-hmm. content. Um, you know, that's sure. Like I wanted to see that happen because females for so many years, you know, they were kind of a supporting role or, you know, didn't really get the attention they deserved. But when I see a strong, smart, credible, amazing female like that, it's like, what can we do to help you? That's, that's what the world needs more of. It's pretty cool that we can do that now, right? Like you think 20, 30 years ago, you know, it was such an anomaly to see uh, if there was a, a female, it was because she was there with her husband or boyfriend, right? Like, yeah. like really, like honestly, as a general rule, that was the case. And mm-hmm. it's so amazing now that there's so much opportunity in that um, and such great content, right? Like it's it's been, oh, it's such a great change in the industry. So let's touch on that with Carbon TV. So that new direction, that outdoor and I've got some thoughts, but I want to hear your perspective on it and um, on, you know, going this new direction, how, how that's evolved the network and and what you guys do at carbon TV. Yeah, it's, it's so much fun. And this is where I, this is where I flourish. Every time people want me to talk about carbon and what we're working on and kind of the new avenues, I just get so excited and and I hope people never get tired of me getting up on my soapbox. But when, when I, when I, um, first started here, I didn't really even know what we did. And I'll be honest, I mean, that was, you know, it's a big company. And I was kind of just coming in going, ah, I don't know, I don't really know what to do. But then it starts all making sense. And it's all producer relationships, good content. And what are we doing moving forward? And, you know, we definitely solved, you know, the producer relationships and traffic and content, all of that is amazing. Um, so now we've focused on being more diversified, um, more kind of multifaceted in the the content library. Um, I love that we have the biggest content library, but I want more that will have a crossover potential. So if somebody is watching content here and they, you know, love, um, you know, hunting, but maybe they also love aviation or maybe they also love, you know, fly fishing. I want to make sure that we have all of the content here for people to watch no matter what it is they're in the mood for that day. And we always make it free. We, we don't charge anyone to ever watch anything that we do here, uh, which has been really 
you know, it's been a great business. Um, we are also moving into um, fast channel and connected TV distribution globally, which is wonderful. A lot of people in other countries, you know, they, they don't have the same types of access to this type of content. So we've moved pretty rapidly into a global market with connected TV and fast channels. So that's been really fun. It's, um, you know, it's good for our producers. It allows them to have more of a, um, you know, a rapidly expanding um, audience. And it's good for us. It puts us out there in front of a lot of new people and introduces the outdoors to people who maybe misunderstood it before. And, you know, I think, you know, we talk about hunter heritage and about social license around hunting. And this is such a great, you know, in my mind, such a great platform because somebody can come on to uh, carbon and be interested, like you said, in aviation or maybe in rock climbing um, and maybe not even, you know, be against hunting. But then like, oh, well, you know, you, you build that relationship with your consumer, uh, your viewer, and they're like, oh, this is good content. And then they're like, well, what's a, what's about this wilderness to table stuff? And they, you know, and, and there's that blend there. So, or like Laura Zara is a great example, right? Like, you know, what she does, right? And I think these crossover brands that really are outdoor centric, but then are steeped in kind of the hunting heritage is really good for, you know, the hunting, I guess, market, if you will, or social license around hunting. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's the thing is, you know, just being open-minded, you know, when Laura, I mean, Laura is obviously a very good friend of mine. Um, I executive produce her show, Decivilized, which is killing it right now. It's amazing. Um, for anyone who hasn't watched it, I mean, she tells you how not to die. So who wouldn't want to watch that? <laughs> you know, that seems like a pretty good life advice. Um, but, you know, shows like that, we're just open-minded. If I see something come through and I'm like, oh, that hasn't been done before, let's invest into that. Or let's take a bigger look at, you know, how that's going to, um, you know, resonate with an audience that maybe wasn't ours before, you know, a totally new demographic. So, you know, the other thing that I really like is feedback. We listen to what people are saying. And, you know, I have a, I have a brilliant team around me that is constantly saying, Hey, we have, even if it's one message, you don't think one message is going to make a big difference to a company. I'm telling you, it gets to me. I hear the feedback that people are saying, Oh, I love this, or this doesn't make sense, or we need more of this type of content. We'll start looking for it. You know, I, I want to make sure that nobody ever leaves carbon TV with a, with a bad experience. And so that kind of makes it really challenging and fun. Yeah. So how do you do that for how, how many shows do you say you have on the network? So we have over 250 shows right now. How, how can you like that? That's a pretty big job. <laughs> big job. Yeah. You know, the, the, the trick to that job is having great people around me and making sure that, you know, I've got, for example, Autumn Stowecki is my director of operations and anyone who works with Carbon, they know Autumn. She's the most personable, kind amazing outdoors woman, you know, she loves the outdoors and, you know, producer relationships, it's getting back to people immediately when they need something. It's answering questions. Um, our developer team is so smart. Like when I tried to get on this podcast and I couldn't figure out how the computer thing works, <laughs> that's why I have my developer team. They're so highly intelligent and they just help me with everything every day, but they're constantly paying attention to the user experience. So if somebody comes to Carbon and the user experience isn't perfect, I don't want that person to say, oh, well, I can get a better experience over here. So we're constantly investing into upgrading our system. 
Um, you know, we just, it's all of these different people that we've stacked around me that really make the company what it is. And, you know, I don't, I don't think there's any better way to be in life. Very cool. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I'm, I've got my carbon TV all lined up and I'm going to be uh, streaming for the next month straight here. There's so much great oh, it's content. Great. I love it. A lot of good content. So let's segue a little bit. Let's talk. So aviation, you mentioned that a few times. So tell me you're a pilot. I'm a pilot. So I, I want to hear we, we're pilots. we got to, let's talk about our watch or, oh, flying or something. Rub so. it in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've been a licensed pilot for about 20 years and you know, a- aviation is one of those communities kind of like the, the outdoor community where if you're in it, you love it and you're connected and you're um, dedicated to that. And I know, I mean, I, I used to, you know, practice aerobatics and I did, you know, I, I did an accelerated flight program out in Long Beach and, you know, experimental aircraft. I mean, I've done it and I love it. And I, I definitely um, don't do as much as I would like to now, but I see a major crossover section there. And I know that a lot of shows that are coming to us, it's, you know, there's a lot of aviation in there. Greg McHale, you know, Wild Yukon, he flies himself around the Yukon and I'm dying to go up and spend time with him and his family and, you know, fly around. Um, You know, we have a show called Old Green Plane where they take some, you know, people up in this literally old green plane that was the guy's dad's plane back in the day. And they interview people in the sky, which I mean, what better setting to have a one on one interview with a person than in a Cessna. And then we're bringing on a lot of other aviation shows. But I feel like this just further connects our audience to the demographic. It's like, it's such an easy crossover. It's so easy to see how people will be not just, oh, I am a pilot, but I've always wanted to be one, or I have an interest in that, or my dad was a pilot. There's this, this web that exists there. And I find it fascinating. Yeah, I absolutely. I I can relate to where you're coming from. Um, It's interesting. I watched that episode or at least partial. I didn't get through all of it, but uh, I ran out of time, but I watched that episode with you in the old green plane. I thought it was episode seven. Season one, episode seven, you were in that. That was pretty cool. I loved it. So. Yeah, there's so much fun. How am I going to say no to that? You know, I yeah. I need to start saying yes. You know, with this many shows, we I do get a lot of invites to go do things with people and go hunting and, you know, and I do actually go on quite a few of them. I want to do more. But that one, when they, they called to see if I would be on that show, I was like, I, I'm not saying no to that. That's incredible. And I support people who have cool ideas like that. Yeah, no yeah I was actually disappointed that they didn't put you in the left seat. I'm like, come on, she's a pilot. Put her in the left seat. That's only fair. Come on. I warned them not to. I said I might be a little, you know, it's been it's been a minute, but I think I'm going to get uh, recertified. I think we're going to get everything updated. We have another show that we're bringing on right now. She it's female, and I'm very excited about this one. She is. Um, not just a pilot. She's an instructor. I mean, she's rated, you know, in all the jets. I mean, she's just an, an amazing personality. So we're bringing her on as well. And I think that that will, um, that will be really good for people to kind of see, um, you know, that, you know, it, it's not all the same type of content. I think that, um, you know, having it so multifaceted, so many different areas of content um, is going to be really valuable. 
Very cool. Okay, just a couple of uh, crazy ones. So, professional poker player, what's what's up with that? Come on. Oh gosh. Oh boy, that was a different lifetime. <laughs> and this, is the, this is the reason why the internet is like good and bad because people yeah. can find out that yes, I, I was a professional poker player. Uh, that was. You know how hard it is to explain to your parents that's your life choice. <laughs> I I remember trying to explain to my mom and dad like, oh no, this is going to be great. I've decided I'm going to play professional poker, and I did. And I did well with it, but I used it as a business. So I kept a notebook, um, you know, with the cash games and notes on people. I had sponsors. I played the World Series four times. I mean, I, it was great. I had a great run, and it's a hard way to make an easy living, as they say. Um, I got out of it pretty fast. But I, I don't play much anymore. I should I should start playing a little bit. It's you might a, need to – you could brand it. That could be one of your shows. Yeah, it's a terrible idea. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny. Um, okay, let's talk hunting. Um, what's so you talked about your first uh, whitetail, your first experience, and your first harvest, and biggest whitetail you've ever killed. Um, what's your favorite hunt? When you think back on, you know, you've you've done so much now, and what hunt do you want to do? So you, you know, what's the, been the best, and what where do you want to go? I'm telling me you're going sheep hunting, please. Okay. Oh, I, I'm dying to go sheep hunting. I mean, obviously I lived vicariously through Jana, you know, with this past season um, and all of the sheep hunters, you know, it, it is a major goal of mine. I know that that's a big commitment and it is, but it is possible, you know, it, it's possible for those of us normal people to go do sheep, you know, hunts now. So yeah, that's, that's on the list. Um, my favorite hunt. So I've only hunted with my dad one time in my life. Um, he came with me early twenties, you know, early, I was in my early twenties and he shot a doe, you know, but even though that to some people would sound very anticlimactic, right? It's like, Oh, okay. That doesn't sound exciting. I, it's the only time I ever hunted with him. And, you know, we got to harvest that dough together, sitting side by side. That always is the first thing that comes into my mind. Of all the hunts I've done around the world, major, amazing, you know, um, ability to kind of hunt anywhere I want to. I always go back to, gosh, that was really cool to sit by my dad while he shot this deer and then we processed it together. Um, But I, you know... I think as we get older, we appreciate those moments a little bit more. Um, you know, I obviously love archery, mule deer hunting. It's a it's a big thing. I have one you know tattooed on my arm. Everyone sees it. You know, I I am passionate about that. Um, one thing that has changed though is I I don't go on social media and talk a lot anymore about the hunts that I do, not because of any reason other than man, I love my privacy. <laughs> and, you know, I, and when you, when you've been in, in the public eye for this long, sometimes those hunts are more special if you don't have to talk about them or if you can, if you want to, but you're not required. Um, I shot my first deer off camera in Utah um, three years ago. And it was very special. You know, since I started my career, it was the only deer I've ever taken by my, like without a cameraman. Mm. And, you know, I have it hanging. It's in my office over there. And, and, you know, those, I think as we age those moments of, wow, getting back to your roots and this is why we do what we do. And this is what I love to do. And it's for me, it's not to show anybody, you know, or to, um, to show it off. Um, you know, I think those moments become more precious. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I, you know, I find personally too that, you know, hunting is such a primal experience and it, and obviously when you kill something, it's an intimate experience as well. And it's, uh, you know, I, I've taken cameras with me. I've not taken it. I've kind of done both just recreationally, never professionally. And I, I just always find that the camera is getting in the way of the experience for me. And, and so I actually have a huge amount of respect for people that do it professionally that can do it because yeah. there's so much more going on. And for me, it's just about the experience and harvesting. And when you start waiting for the right shot and the right experience, and there's all these other things and um, there's production the deadlines, all that stuff. It just, I, I, so anyone that could do that, um, I have the utmost respect for them and I can totally appreciate where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see both sides. I've been, you know, for so long in this industry, every hunt that I ever did was documented and filmed. And uh, the the positive side is I get to relive those memories and go back cool. and kind of revisit that, see where the shot hit, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, those, those things are great. Um, now, as I'm aging and getting a little older, you know, if Jana and I or Laura and I, if any of my friends go with me in the field, sometimes it's nice to be fully present and not be concerned about, you know, capturing things or, you know, making sure we have the right photo. Um, but I'm, I'm on both sides of that fence. I also believe that the reason why we're doing what we do is to encourage other people to, you know, have that voice and, you know, put that information out there for people to learn from. So I think a balance is healthy. You know, I, I do like my personal life. I don't put much about myself out there anymore. Um, but I do also love running a network that enables other people to put their life out there. And we are the vehicle that provides that for them. They can put their content out there that they're creating and I can give it to the masses. So, you know, it's a beautiful balance. Yeah, well said. And I, I also fully appreciate that for me, when I'm out there with the camera, it's like, an, yeah, it's just a foreign to me. But for someone like yourself, it's an appendage. It's just part of what you do. You know, you've been with it for so long. It's just part of how you operate. So it's almost, it's a lot different for you than it is for me when I'm in the in the backcountry with a camera. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah. I brought cameras before and I don't even think I'm like, all right, there's a bear or there's a lynx or whatever. And it's like, all right, get lined. Oh, damn camera. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Like a lot of work. Yeah. When I put, when I'm calling lynx or whatever, I put a GoPro trying to face the call and there's so many different directions. The cat can come in and it's just, I just, don't even bother sometimes it's tough it really is that's incredible i i love links videos i'm i'm one of those where i'll watch it like 50 times it's, what <laughs> a, an incredible animal oh I, I did i did get one the one that i took last year uh we we set up the call my buddy parked the snow machine because we'd just seen the tracks had the call up i put the rifle out and the cat was already on the call and just as I'm lining up, he gets it on there. So I've got the shot on camera. It's pretty cool. But yeah, that's about that's about it. And it wasn't me that ran the camera. Oh, that's so cool. You have to send that to me. I, sure. I love these videos. That's sure. incredible. Yeah. You know, cameras have changed everything. They allow people to live vicariously who wouldn't have the opportunity. And I know a lot of people, sometimes we take it for granted that we have the opportunities to go spend time outdoors or to travel, you know, or to have this life that we have. And you know, I, I never let that thought pass by without considering some people don't get to do these things and we are providing a way for them to, you know, come into this world and experience it in their own way and to educate and inform them. So um, it's really part of the reason why 
I am so passionate about what I get to do every day. I just happen to have a path in life that led me to this company that, I mean, it's, it's my dream job. It's my dream career. I, it's a huge, massive, amazing company. And I get to do this every day and to be a part of this with other people who are out there doing what they want to do every day, creating content and doing all their things. And then we all get to work together. And honestly, I just sometimes have to pinch myself because it's, it's just such an incredible industry with good people and you know, just such a fun company to work with. Very cool. Um, so let's transition a little bit, um, kind of in the same vein, but, uh, you know, the work that you do, we talked a little bit, we touched on the not-for-profit stuff, so pass it on to outdoor mentors, and I know you're also involved with, uh, uh, the, is it Mend on the Move? Do I have that correct? Is that correct? Yeah, Mend on the Move. So talk a little bit yeah. about your not-for-profits and then any conservation work that you're doing too, because I know conservation is really important to you as well. So let's talk touch on that for a bit. Yeah, so I'm also on the board of directors for a company called Mend on the Move. Um, my So even though I don't really live in Michigan, my office is outside of Detroit. And um, Mend um, is a, an organization that employs women and empowers women who are coming out of abusive relationships. Um, so a lot of times, you know, um, a woman, if she you know has kids or you know, life situation, and she's coming out of a relationship that was difficult, it's hard for her to find a job. Sometimes they don't have a high school diploma. Sometimes they don't really understand how to get their life back on track. So Mend on the Move actually um, employs them as jewelry makers, and they use repurposed auto parts because of the, obviously, Detroit is the auto capital. So a lot of the auto manufacturers and um, places where they get their their products, they will donate that to the organization. These women put beautiful jewelry together that's actually really nice, and um, men sells that. And then we, so that's a it's a job for women to get back on their feet. We also um, empower them with GED educations, life coaches, you know, career planning, and try to just kind of give women that extra opportunity. It's close to my heart. You know, I know, um, I know what it's like to, you know, come out of a bad relationship and not really know what you're going to do. So, um, yeah, that one's, it's really good. It's, it's outside of my normal space. Most of the time when I'm on a board or donating my time, it's towards the outdoors, but I, I also have a big heart for, for women who are going through a tough time. Um, and then as far as the conservation organizations, I mean, for over 10 years now, I've been working with most of them in different capacities. Um, I'm really proud Carbon TV has partnered with a lot of them as video streaming partner for their trade shows, for Expo. We're, um, we're the streaming partner for Expo coming up um, in Salt Lake City. We are the official video streaming partner for SHOT Show for the NSSF. So all of the video content that is created um, on behalf of the NSSF, we stream that through our platform. And the reason that happened was, you know, I mean, censorship. <laughs> you know, if you put something on YouTube or somewhere else, you don't always know that people will have access to it. And Carbon TV is a safe place for um, industry-related video content. Very cool. Yeah. Um, so so how does that work then? Like you guys... Uh, um, you're, you're streaming for shot that so basically they're sending their customers to your platform or people that want to partake in the show and, and they're going there for the content is that correct 
Yeah. So um, it's basically as they're creating the video content at the event, they upload it through our Carbon TV platform. And then we create a show page. We push it out to everybody. So anyone who can't make it to Expo or one of the shows, they can come to Carbon TV to find all of that video content perfectly organized. Um, it's just kind of a nicer way of doing it instead of, you know, tossing it on, on YouTube or somewhere. Uh, we make sure that people have free access to all of the video content for all of the trade shows. That's yeah, win-win too, right? Because it's uh, reaching new customers that mm -hmm. uh, normally wouldn't be reached and, and a whole bunch of other things. It's a brilliant idea. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been, I'm really proud of it, you know, especially after working for the past decade with so many of these organizations, just finding a way for my company to, to be connected even further to theirs. It's a dream come true. It's just, it's wonderful. Very cool. So what's on the agenda for Carbon TV? What and, and for Julie McQueen, what's on what's the next 10 years look like? You've done so much in the last two decades. Where do you go from here? Oh, the next 10 years. Man, that's gonna be fun. Um, I you know, I know that Carbon TV is scaling right now. You know, I still consider us the biggest and um and the most dynamic, you know, in our in the industry. So we're, you know, like I said earlier, rapidly moving into global market with even more distribution. Um, so that's a big part of my day right now. My day to day is, you know, of course, I, I still run sales. We have a sales department because we do ad revenue. Um, I'm still involved in new content acquisition. So all the new shows that are coming in and then um, distribution. So finding ways for more and more people to always have access to what we're doing. Um, it's a it's a very fun company. And I, I would see us expanding into, you know, some different areas outside of, obviously, hunting and fishing will always be my, you know, <laughs> my first love. But um, yeah, moving into some other areas, bringing on new types of content, because there's a lot of content creators out there who just don't have a good home. And that's what we do best. So that's very high up on my list. Um, as far as me personally, I'll be here working. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's awesome. So, so with the shows and stuff, um, like we uh, we ran into you down in um, Reno for at the Wild Sheep Foundation's um, Sheep Week. There, um, do you do you, every year? Are you out working and meeting and building relationships and and looking for new content, that sort of stuff. Building uh, new strategic partnerships. How does that look for you guys? Yeah, yep. Trade. I'm so happy. Trade show season's back. You know, mm -hmm. I just. It's like a family reunion, but also the most stressful week of meetings um, for my whole year. Uh, yeah, so any of those events, you know, uh, Wild Sheep or um, I also I did ATA SHOT Show. We have Expo coming up. I go, some of them, I stack meetings all day, every day, and I maintain relationships with, you know, partners, advertisers, um, producers, make sure that everyone has, you know, all of that connection to the company that they need. Um, others, you know, I, I go and I enjoy the show. I go to the booths and I talk to people and I just genuinely love talking to people in this industry. It's like, it's a family. And, um, yeah, so, so this time of year is really busy for me, but in the best way possible it's company growth, but also just this personal love for this community that I've known for so long. Wow. That's awesome. 
Okay, so one last one for you to before we wrap up here. What's uh, what's your hunt plans for twenty two? Can you share anything with us? Or are you gonna can you talk about it for us? You know, I used to be one of these planning people where I would have it all scheduled out, you know, a year in advance. And most of the hunts I do now, it's like three weeks ahead of time, and I, you know, bail out and go do something. I do still draw some tags. I I put in for for a few draws, um, but a lot of what I do now has to be very um, flexible because of, of the company, because of the work. Um, so, you know what I would like to do? And I'm going to say it on here so that it's like out there. I would like <laughs> for Jana to maybe take me on some hunts with her, to be honest, because I, we, we've always had so much fun over the years. And I love just going and documenting her in the field and being a part of that production process. That's kind of my you know, it's like, oh, let me tag along and be a part of it. And like best friend, but also like, let me, can I film? You know, that to me is really fun to just experience that with other people who hold the tag. I don't even need to pull the trigger anymore. I've, you know, I've been so blessed and experienced so many wonderful things. Um, I do try to do at least a few hunts for myself every year, but um most of a lot of the time, if I have friends who have tags, I'll tag along and just be there and, you know, pack the gear and, and kind of be behind the scenes in the background and never even mention that I was in the field. Because for me, that's where my heart will always be. That's, it's just where it began is that authentic love for being outside. That's how I grew my career. It's not because I ever killed the biggest deer or had the most successful hunting season. I didn't build my career on that. I built my career on genuinely loving the outdoors. And that's how I see it continuing in the future. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you got to do that. That would be a, a fantastic. And But you got to get involved somehow. You can't just be behind the camera. You have to, it'd be too much fun. That would be, the funnest part would be the interaction between you two in the field, right? So yeah. I know. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to tell Jana we had this conversation. So she feels obligated. To <laughs> come <with her. laughs> Aren't you, don't you have creative control over your, your, your people? You can just demand that you're on the show with her, right? So I know. Yeah. I'm going to put my foot down and just be like, oh, you have to invite me on three hunts this year. Yeah. I'm sure she'll really call for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm sure it wouldn't be too difficult to convince her. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, and you love spring turkey, right? You do a ton of turkey hunting, don't you? I am a turkey fanatic. I'm obsessed. It's the only animal that I actually get physically like uncontrollable. I shake. I have a very difficult time with turkeys, but I'm a, I've been obsessed. I have my grand slam. I every year devote turkey season. Nothing else matters. Like I just, hmm. I love turkey season so much. And Yes, I do plan on disappearing for weeks at a time during turkey season. And I can't explain it. I don't know why. I mean, I everything else is still wonderful, but something about a turkey gobbling just it that, it like fills my soul. That's what I've heard. And I've never mm-hmm. hunt, I've never hunted a turkey. I'm, oh, you haven't? No, well, I'm supposed to be in yeah, we let's do that. <laughs> I'm supposed yeah. to be supposed to be hunting them uh this this april with a buddy down in the kootenays but i've never i've heard the same thing everybody says the same thing once you do it once you do it you'll be hooked just like duck hunting i didn't do that till about five six years ago i'm like yeah didn't really appeal and got out there once and like oh this is awesome now i've got everything so that's what i'm afraid of with turkey hunting yeah well okay so let's stay in touch on that because you absolutely have to become a fanatic for turkey hunting deal deal yeah okay 
because I, I know a lot of places and people and yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll get you set up because there's nothing in the world like it. There's something about a turkey gobbling in the morning that just, it's like the reason why we're alive. It's Works beautiful. for me. Very yeah. cool. <laughs> All right. We've taken a lot of your time. I'm really grateful for uh, you talking to us today. But before we go, um, anything you want to plug, anything, um, you know, there, there's so much stuff that you're involved in personally. Um, so if people want to check out your work, where do they go? What do they need to do? Yeah. So, I mean, you can always find me online, Jules McQueen. I, I know my name's Julie, but most people call me Jules. Um, so Jules McQueen, anywhere online, but Carbon TV is everywhere. And we are always free. We have so much great content. So anyone who has, you know, if you have a, an iOS or Android device, you know, it's always free there. Just download the app or Roku, Amazon, Apple TV, Samsung, literally any type of device that you're streaming content through, you can just put in carbon TV, find us there and it's VOD. So it's video on demand on those. So you just choose what series or what show you want to watch and, um, and it's always right there for people to enjoy. So I highly recommend everyone checking out Carbon TV. It's my, my life's work, and I'm really proud of it. Um, but yeah, people can also, also find me on uh, anywhere online, Jules McQueen. Cool. Yeah, you're not hard to find for sure. A quick okay. uh, Google search, they'll, they'll, they'll track you down. Well, cool. Julie, I can't thank you enough for your time. Uh, it was fun to talk to you today. I knew it was going to be a great podcast and just really appreciate everything that you do for, you know, our, our hunting and our conservation world and, and just, uh, I guess, for society in general. So thank you so much. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your time and uh, the invite to come on here and catch up with you guys. And we're stealing all your guests off the show. It's like we've got, <laughs> I think we've interviewed five or six uh, Carbon TV uh, um, guests or hosts, I guess. You know, uh, just just send me a list. All of my friends love all of my friends. And so <laughs> I would love to see my friends talk to you guys too. That's I, I love that. Yeah. Bree's awesome. supposed to be Bree's supposed to be coming up here in May for a bear hunt with me and our kids um, and pals. So and I think Bree and I are going, um, she's taking me um, lobster diving this year so oh yeah she wants to take me that's what she wants to do she wants to do that with me as well i'm like yeah you don't want me in a in a swimsuit oh yeah no i i told her i was like now that you've said those words out loud i'm going for sure (laughs) (laughs) so we got you committed to two things a a hunt with jana and uh, you're going lobster fishing with Bree. and with Bree, absolutely that's right yes awesome julie thanks again and have a great weekend okay thank you guys